Do you think it's fair to say that sometimes we just give up too easily on, on sales opportunities, on presentation opportunities, on the fact we've delivered sales pitches? We do all the stuff, we present our sales interaction, our presentation maybe, our sales pitch maybe, but then, well, we easily give up. We, you know, we, we pursue it for a while, but then we give up. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about on this week's episode of the podcast. Let's not give up quite as quickly as we might be doing at the moment. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Trevor Lee and this is episode number 226 of the Better Presentations, More Sales podcast. Now, the inspiration for this week's episode about giving up on sales came from an event I was involved in very recently, a running event. Now, most of you will know, I think that I'm also involved in running. I've got a running podcast, Running 44 at 60. So if you're in business and you're a runner, well, tune in and have a listen to Running 44 at 60. Now, the Running 44 at 60 podcast started when I set out to run a first ultra marathon, 44 miles on the Cornish Coastal Path in May 2021, having just celebrated a landmark birthday. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal which one. And uh, I've still, I've kept in touch with, you know, I've still, I'm still keen to do ultra runs. And I was due to do a 32-mile ultra very recently called the Roseland August Trial, which took place on July the 16th. And I'm recording this podcast just a few days after that event. And um, that was uh, due to be the place in Cornwall. There are five versions of the Roseland August Trail, or the RAT as it's known for short. There's a 24-hour race, which is a five-mile loop, which is just for completely bonkers people. There's a 64-mile version, which is 32 miles out, 32 miles back. Then there's what's known as the Black Rat, which is 32 miles Red Rat 20 miles and the White Rat 11. Now, I was due to do the Black Rat. I've done the Red and the White in previous years. But unfortunately, niggly little injuries and all that sort of stuff, you know, resulted in me not being able to take part. But it's a tough race. It's a very tough race. And the weather that day was very hot for UK standards. So I ended up being a helper at the start of the Black Rat, the 32-mile race down on St. Anthony's Head. And then I was a marshal at a point where, in a place called Gorenhaven, which was for all the routes, because all the routes end at the same place. So whether you're in the 64, the 32, the 20 or 11, you end at the same place. So I was at a marshal spot at the top of a hill coming out of this village, and there were 10 miles to go at that point. So that was an opportunity, really, you know, the, everybody I saw coming through there, with the exception, of course, of the ones who'd only just started the 11-mile race, they were all, you know, finding it a bit stressful, you know, and particularly, obviously, the 64-mile guys, because those guys and girls had already run 54 miles to get to that point. So this is, you know, this is a, a really big one. And, you know, six of those people who set off to do 64 miles actually bailed out at the 11-mile marker. And the, the race favourite also bailed out early as well. So, you know, those were the ones that they kind of gave up, you know, and uh, maybe they realised they weren't fit enough or, in, I think, in the favourite's case, he was trying to break the course record. He, was off the, he wasn't going to do it at that point, so he kind of just gave up on it. And it's very interesting because when I ran the Classic Quarter, I ran the, the uh, organising company uh, who organised that, Endurance Life. Their motto is never give up. And so what is the, you know, the majority of runners who are coming through these events, you know, they, they were, and also there are cutoffs that where you're forced to give up. So when they got to me, uh, there was one more checkpoint to go and they had about five and a half miles to that checkpoint and then a further four and a half, five miles to the finish. 
And for most of them, they had over two hours to get to that final checkpoint. But, you know, this was still tough going because it was very hot. They'd been running a long way. They were tired. They, you know, they just wanted to get to the finish by the time they got to my checkpoint or my marshal point. And, you know, but they're relentless. they were relentless, all of them, in their desire to finish. And that's what made me think about how we translate that to sales. You know, are we relentless in our desire to get a deal over the line? Or do we give up too easily because there's just another one around the corner? And in running, you know, you could give up because you could say, oh, I'm not going to do this because there's another race I could do next week. But you couldn't do this exact race for another year. So if you gave up with 10 miles to go, that was it. You know, you weren't going to, you couldn't pop out again and do it next weekend or tomorrow or whatever it was going to be. And I think that's what we have to, you know, as I say, what's the point we think about in sales? Are we relentless enough in our pursuit sometimes? Do we dig deep enough into our energy reserves that we, you know, that we and use the energy that we know we didn't even have? You know, and that's how ultra runners are, long distance runners. You know, you they have to dig deep into reserves of energy and mental mental stamina that they just didn't know they had. So let's have a think about it. You know, why? when do you give up on a prospective client? Well, if we spill it back, you know, I mean, think about the, the process. Chances are, you know, they'll have made an inquiry, won't they? Let's say this is a new client. And that's great. But the thing we need to remember most is that these days, 70% of B2B inquiries turn into sales if you get there first. And also that 70% of B2B inquiries, people have made up their mind, apparently, before they even contact you. So think about that in, in, its, in, in itself. So, you know, you're, you're way ahead of the pack because someone's made an inquiry to you. OK, there are still people who make inquiries because they've got to get three quotes and all that sort of stuff. That still happens. But according to the guru's research... In the business-to-business sector, by the time they make an inquiry to you, they know all about you, they know all about your product, and they're ready to go. So you've, you know, you've had your call, or ideally a video, or a face-to-face call with that, with that prospective client. You find out precisely what they want. You've done that, haven't you? You, know, you have done that. You've asked the right questions, haven't you? You've clarified it all. You've talked about budget and investment levels. You do all that, don't you? You know, And then you create a bespoke proposal. You do that, don't you? You don't just send them the same old proposal, surely. And you send a video with that proposal, don't you, as well, which introduces you and your company, but not too long. And it's more about a personal video and you explaining the finer points of the written version of the proposal. Uh, you know, this is how it works. Oh, and before you've sent the proposal, you listened to the Ruben Schwartz uh, podcast on this show a few weeks ago where Ruben said, go through your written proposal and highlight everything in green that's about the client, everything in yellow or blue, I think it was. I can't remember that. I'd have to check that one. But yellow or blue, which is maybe confusing or a bit jargon-led, and everything in red that's about you. And then you realize that you've put too much in there about you, so you change it and you make it a largely green proposal. So by the time you send it, it's largely green. You've got the video that goes with it and everything's good. And then what? You don't hear anything back from the client. So what do you do? Well, you probably send another email, don't you? And it says something like, did you get my email? Well, you know, we know you don't do that. We know you don't do that. We know you don't send a, did you get my email? 
Okay, I mean, we all get loads like that. I, I seem to be get plagued with those at the moment. People coming to me, particularly on the podcast email address, and sending me stuff about getting me up search engines and all over the place and, and wanting to join various formats and all that. And they come back and they say, oh, did you get my email? And, you know, and all that. And what I find intriguing about those emails is that there's no signature on them. There's no block at the bottom. It can't easily tell me who they're from. And I don't know about you, but if I get an email that is just from a random person and they don't have a signature at the bottom, it might just say their name. It doesn't say what company they work for. It doesn't say their job title. It doesn't give any details about the company. I assume it's a spam email, and that's why I don't reply. So if it is a genuine email, oh, goodness me, make sure you're not sending emails out like that. And particularly watch out for the ones that you send from your phone or your iPad or something. Make sure you've got the same email signature on all your devices. Because again, if you send me an email and it's from your phone and it just has no signature on it, I'm going to think it's spam. Now, I don't know about whether you think the same way, but so you're not giving yourself much of a chance. So make sure you've got your proper email signature on all your emails and it's up to date as well. And then, of course, there's the danger you follow up with another email saying, did you get my email asking if you got my email? And so it goes on. So that you could say, well, that's really, yeah, I'm being relentless there, Trevor. I'm using my energy, but are you using it very well? And this is the smart bit, isn't it? This is the bit where you've got to get smarter on that second and third and fourth email that you send out. Because you might have to do that. And ideally, you're not sending out emails, you're making calls. But you might not be getting through. And if you don't get through, well, get ready to leave an answer phone message. And you say, well, Trevor, I haven't got a number to ring. So why didn't you capture the number when you had the original sales conversation? So, you know, we've talked about this before, I think, on other episodes. So send that email, that follow-up email. But don't just send the email, say, hey, I sent you my proposal, but I've had a look at it and I've got a further little tweak I want to share with you. I've got a new little idea. Oh, I spotted this, which I think you'll be interested in. So just make it useful information. And if on that second email, the follow-up email, if you like, Make sure there's a video content there as well. I mean, there are so many video, you know, things out there now. You can just attach a little video, okay? And we've all got to get used to being on video, and I've got a great guest coming up soon who's going to show you how to get used to being on video, okay? So look out for that episode. when it haven't got it on the schedule yet, but we're having, we're having inquiries, and we're going to make that happen. And that's going to be really, really interesting when that happens. So that'll be an episode coming up in the next two or three weeks, I think. So get that email video in there, even if it's just a minute, because it will get attention. Because still not many people send out video emails, you'll get attention of some sort. And then if you have to phone them, well, you know, make sure, A, maybe you've agreed a time. Let's hope you've agreed a time to phone them. So when you have the conversation initially, and this is where that first conversation is so, so important. You gather all the information, but also you agree the contact details. And you get the phone number. I, get, I can't believe sometimes when I talk to people and I, they tell me about their, you know, the email proposal they send out and all that. And they say, well, the client was really interested when we met, you know, or when we had the first discussion. And I say, oh, great. So why haven't you phoned them then? Oh, well, I didn't get their, uh, uh, their, I didn't get their phone number. What do you mean you didn't get their phone number? I mean, all you've got to do is ask for a phone number. It's such an important thing to have. You know, so don't let that slip through the net. Don't, you know, you've got to get all the details. When you've got that person, if you're having a conversation with a prospective client, you know, they've made the inquiry, you're in that first conversation, assume it's the last conversation you're ever going to have with them. So you've got to get every bit of information you possibly can from that conversation. 
And then, of course, you know, what happens? Well, you, you send out a couple of emails, you make a couple of phone calls and you don't get through to somebody. And then you drift because you stop contacting them because you've got other people to contact. And eventually you just it just slips by and you, you without really realizing you've given up. But why give up? You know, why give up? Why not keep going? Why not? And you don't have to, you know, the, this is the thing, is getting the diff- difference between, oh, I'm going to be, uh, you know, just bombarding them. I'm going to be too pushy and all that stuff. Well, you are if you contact them in a certain way. And if you contact them, did you get my email? Have you read my email yet? That is a kind of bombardment. But sending them additional information, useful information, is not a bombardment. It's a favour. Okay, and don't forget, you know, sometimes they will have forgotten. They will have missed your proposal for some reason because, you know, momentum moves. They've gone on to something else. So get it in your head that every time you're making contact with these people who made contact with you in the first place, don't forget that. You know, it's not you being chasing 100 people and hoping two of them answer. You know, you're not going on that cold call volume led, no idea who's going to be a client mission. You're actually reacting to someone who's made an inquiry with you. So they're interested, or certainly they were. So, you know, we mustn't waste that opportunity. So we have to put on our ultra running hat and think, right, we will dig deep. We will be energized, even though we're feeling as though this is going nowhere and you're never going to get to the finish line. But you will dig deep. You will keep going. Because, you know, every so often when you're running that last 10 miles of that 32 or 64 mile race, you are surprised by suddenly you've got a surge of energy. When I did the 44 miler, I felt great at the end. I couldn't believe how great I felt at the end. And the last five miles were great as well because I'd kind of got broken the back of it. And I felt a surge of energy. You know, now I was I was taking, you know, uh, food and drink to keep my energy levels up. But nevertheless, my legs were, were could have easily complained and said, we can't go on, you know, we just can't go on. But you can go on and you can get to that finish line. You just got to visualize it and believe in it. So if you really want to work with that client, you have to believe and visualize. And of course, you know, that will subliminally in your contacts with them rub off. So it will come across in your video email when you follow up. I'm really interested. Hey, it was great to meet you. Now, I have sent you the proposal. We haven't heard, you know, we haven't heard back from you, but I'm really keen to work with you. I've had another little thought about it. I've included it in the attached written proposal as well, but really keen to work with you. And let's uh, let's let's try and get a call. Now, here's a link to my call booking system. It'd be great to get another call booked in. So are you are you doing that? Are you making it easy for people to book meetings with you? Are you using something like I do, like Calendly? Okay, if you're not using that to get people to book calls with you, get it sorted, all right? Because you're making it difficult for me then to follow up again with you. If you've got a contact form on your website that says, right, if you'd like to talk to us or organize a demo and it says, send us your name and send us your email and then we'll send you, you know, and send us when you're available, get rid of it. Okay, you're wasting time and you're losing customers. Get something like Calendly set up, which says, right, to book a demo of our product, go onto line, find out when you're free. Okay, you're free and the time you're free. Book it on, and then you'll get it all automated, notifications and all that. It makes such a big difference. You know, sometimes in business, we make it too hard for ourselves. There's stuff out there that you can easily adapt, make it much easier to get sales. All right, so, you know, spin this back, you know. Let's let's get it back to the beginning. So they found you. They want to work with you. So don't let that stop. 
So there we go. So that's the point of today's message, ladies and gentlemen, in today's episode. It's all about never giving up on sales. Okay, never give up because you never know when something might come around. I just got an inquiry recently from an organization wanting me to work with them on some presentation skills. Okay, they 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 weren't able to tell me what the budget was, which was a bit tricky when I put my proposal forward. Anyway, they came back to me and said, "Oh, really sorry, Trevor, we found out the budget now and uh Yep, we, we can't do, you know, we can't, we haven't got the budget for your proposal. Now, my proposal was to do a, a session with about uh, eight, nine of them. These were nine people who'd won a competition. They're going to uh, London in September to pitch face to face to try and win £20,000. Okay, it's a grant funded scheme. They're going to be presenting to 200 people. We were going to do a uh, online session in August to show them how to do their pitches. Okay. And uh, my, my usual, uh, well, they asked me to do one-to-ones, okay? So they wanted me to do a session, a normal 90-minute session. And then as with all my 90-minute sessions, they were going to get a mini ebook, They were going to get a 10-minute summary video. They're going to get a checklist, okay? That's the standard practice for the stuff I deliver. But they also wanted me to do some one-to-ones with everybody. So, you know, so that's what I built into, into the thing. And that's where, you know, it obviously took it over their budget. So when, I, when they came back, I didn't say, oh, well, thanks very much, you know, maybe better luck next time. I said, okay, so how much over your budget, you know, was I? You know, what, was, what is the budget? Now you know. And they came back with the budget, and it was just about half of the amount, okay? So I said, all right, in that case, let's reorganize this, you know? So I went back to them with a second proposal, phoned them up, phoned the lady up, left, you know, spoke to her, and then left her a message as well, came back with an idea that could work for their budget, Okay, so basically we took the one-to-ones out. And they came back and they want to do it. So it's game on. So, you know, that's an example, you know. And my, I tell you what, my career was based, my whole career was based on something where someone had told me no and I was convinced I wanted to change that. So quick little story. And this is about, you know, just making sure you never give up. So back in my day, I was a young advertising rep, you know, keen for ambition and all that sort of stuff. I landed myself a job as a sales manager on our, on our Retford Times newspaper title. Same group. I worked for the same group for 29 years. And the uh, Retford Times was my first major breakthrough. Mid-20s, I was the manager. It was a small organization, though. You know, it was about, there weren't many people in the Retford Times who were a small weekly newspaper. But for me, I was the sales manager and a team of about two and a half, I think, at the most. <laughs> anyway, a couple of years later, I needed to move on. So I got an interview for a job on the South Wales Evening Post in Swansea. You know, massive compared with what I've been doing on the Retford Times. Comes out every night. We were selling 10,000 copies of this newspaper a week in Retford. They were selling 70,000 copies every night in Swansea. So massive, you know, massive newspaper. Big, big team I was going to be in charge of as the sales manager. Went for the interview and the long story of it was they turned me down. So we had a big group boss in uh, in our London office. And in those days, you, we didn't have email. So you had to phone him and that meant phoning his secretary and getting through to him and all that stuff. But they turned me down for the job. And I thought, right, I really want this job. So I rang him up and I said, his name was Ted Glynn, great guy. And I said, Ted, um, they've turned me down for the job, which you probably already know. I said, but I really want this job. And I, I think they've made a big glaring error. You know, and I, I, and I tried to convince him that they should get, you know, they should go backtrack on their, on their, uh, on their uh, decision and give me the job. So anyway, he said, all right, okay, <laughs> give me a couple of days. I'll see what I can do. Anyway, he came back to me three days later or so, four days later, whenever it was. He said, right, he said, they're going to take you. They've changed their minds on you. 
He said, I've convinced them, but you better not mess it up. Those weren't quite his words, but <laughs> you get the meaning. But it does prove, doesn't it? You know, never give up. Even if someone says no to you, if you really think you can make a difference to that client, then get back in there and give it your best shot. Right. I hope that's inspired you to think never give up. All right. Now, if you like this podcast or you're new to this podcast, then uh, please do you know subscribe to it on your podcast app. If you want to leave a review, that would be amazing. I can always send you, if you like, a copy of my 12 business lessons from running an ultramarathon. I've still got a few of the first copies of that to give to listeners who send in reviews. All you've got to do is take a screenshot of the review, send it to me, a podcast at trevorleemedia.co.uk. If you'd like to come on the show as a guest, if you think you've got something to contribute, but it needs to be a contribution, it needs to be tips and advice. Uh, and advice. I don't want people saying, oh, I've got this brilliant story to tell Trevor how I've gone from nothing to, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not really interested in people like that. There are tons of podcasts that deal with people like that. Okay, that's not for me. But if you have got a great story that you can build around tips and ideas, help people get better at presenting, help them create more sales, that's why you're listening to this podcast, then drop me a line and we'll see what we can sort out. Okay, thanks for listening. See you next time.